Sorry, I'm just opening uh, Sarah's. Uh, I can hear that. Thing. It's just going nuts, <laughs> trying to catch up on messages. <laughs> Alrighty. That also means I need to send her all of my things. She has a very active chat with uh, several people. I guess. <laughs> and welcome back to Dad's Meat World, your weekly deep dive into that classic 90s show, Boy Meets World. I am one of your two dads, Tyler. And I'm your other of your two dads, Brett. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're going to actually have that in there, but my wife just reminded me, it's garbage, and I get that out, mister, and that I will Oofa. do for sure, my love. <laughs> Anywho, I'm coming in hot and heavy right away, Brett, because uh, I got some beef with you. Oh, you got beef with me? <laughs> I have beef with you. Normally, it's beef with writers or, or uh, Michael Jacobs, sometimes some acting choices, but today, my beef is with you, sir. All right. What's your beef now, with me? Now, I know you're going to tell me you're justified because you did a family outing. It was a family <laughs> activity. You weren't planning on doing it. Your family wanted to do something nice for you, but I specifically remember us having a little conversation <laughs> Of, let's agree to wait to go watch The Flash together, <laughs> and then somebody for Father's Day went and saw The Flash. So, what's the deal, Brett? What's the deal? Well, first of all, I like what's to draw. I like to draw a, a, a point to our our lovely, good-looking people at home that you chose to put quotation marks around Father's Day. Now, do you believe this is a made-up holiday by the big greeting card industry? <laughs> I believe that Father's Day is a very complicated subject for us to get to eventually. <laughs> and not today. My beef uh, is with you, sir, not yeah. Father's Day. Yes. Stop it, deflecting, it, Brett. It was, it was a Father's Day gift. And I, I don't normally, uh, I, I'm not someone who likes to be the center of attention. I, I especially don't like when, if you've ever done any you know, looking into the way people process and receive love. Uh, if you look at the five love languages by uh, Gary, uh, is it Chapman? Chapman, yep. Yes. Uh, I, I rank pretty low on, on acts of service and, and gift giving. And so I don't really like when people make a big deal about me or towards me. And so especially when it comes to like Father's Day, I, I don't, you know, I like low-key stuff. So I, it's hard to... It, it's hard to say no when they want to do something for me. So, yes, I could have said no, 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 no. And yes, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> but I did. I did go see it. Yes. And we did. Uh, we did take the two older ones with us. It wasn't just me and Kelly going on a date per se. It was uh, I went with the kids. So it was a, a family outing. Yes. <laughs> just, just say it, Brett. You 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 love your children more than me, and just just say it, Brett. Just say it. Well, I would assume that's a given. I mean, I, I did. They are genetically fifty percent me. It's fine. It's fine, Brett. I see how I rank on the totem pole of importance. Uh, I haven't seen Blue Beetle without you. 
Yeah, because it's not out yet, and it's coming out after we're going to see each other. <laughs> Although, I got to say, of all the DC movies coming out, that's the one I'm most excited for. Yes. It does look like the, a lot. It does look like a fun yeah. time. I know you haven't watched Cobra Kai, which we're going to have to watch on Cobra Kai. Um, the, the kid who's like, there's the Blue Beetle, is from that show, and he is fantastic. So, I have nothing but high hopes. In a good way. Oh, yeah. It's not like so high hopes that like if it's not, if it's just okay, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, it's horrible. Like you won't be crushed. Yeah, I'm not. No, like, okay, let's just be real for a moment. I don't have high hopes for the Flash movie just because all the chaos that's gone on behind the scenes of that movie for years now. There there has been so much that went on behind the scenes during the development. Uh (laughs) The fact that we got a Flash movie is incredible. That much that hap- that 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 it happened finally on screen is monumental. <laughs> so yeah, but anywho, Brett, <laughs> did you have a nice Father's Day? I did. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, family treated me good. We had, uh, you know, had a little, a uh, couple other small gifts. I got a T-shirt that uh, says I I make dad jokes periodically and. Only when I'm in my <laughs> element, and it has you know J O K E S and our periodic table element uh, squares. What about you? What about Father's Day for you? Uh, it wasn't too bad. You know, we got to spend some time together as a family. That was nice. I did end up going out working, so that was a thing. But mm-hmm. It was also kind of a relaxing part of the day, and finally got home and got to spend time with them. Grayson drew me a picture, so <laughs> I can't complain. Excellent. Yeah, did you get to hang it up? Um, No, it's sitting over in a pile of stuff, but I need to put a little tape on it and I can <sighs> put it somewhere special. So Yes. Right now, I don't have a whole lot of places to put it special because, as you know, my recording studio is the dining room table or <laughs> at my couch. So, and after last weekend, I for last recording, I feel like I need to start sitting at the table. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I'm so nervous yeah. for you to listen to that file. I know you haven't yet, but I just <laughs> I can only imagine how engaged I was. <laughs> If I hear snoring, we're going to have a fun time. I don't think you'll hear snoring. <laughs> wasn't great. <laughs> but anywho, Brett, I think we probably need to get that synopsis. I think so. Well, tonight, this week, this day, whenever you listen to the people, because that's the beauty of a podcast. You can listen whenever you want, even if you're leaning back in your chair, chowing down on a Pop-Tart. Hello, 2030. That's right. This week, we're looking at episode 219, Wrong Side of the Tracks. Sean becomes obsessed with the idea that he is trailer trash when he is dumped by a snobby girl and decides he should join Harley's gang of thugs instead of remaining friends with Corey. Meanwhile, Eric learns to skate in his sleep. This episode was written by Susan Estelle Jansen, directed by David Trainer. Originally aired February 24th, 1995, and currently enjoys an IMDb rating of 7.9. And for our favorite game show, The Sweeping the Nation. Vast emotional damage. 
Last week's episode had a Nielsen rating of 17.7. That's 17.7 million people that tuned in to watch it the first time it aired. Tyler, where do you think this episode ranks? I'm going to go red 18. 18? Oh, you were 0.1 shy. Oh. You lost the prices right. 17.9 million. Oh, close enough. <laughs> Very close. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> just enough to lose the showcase just enough to lose the showcase that's right by the way good looking people um how many of you have ever actually watched the prices right and how many of you have no clue what we're talking about that's a fantastic question that is because i don't know we can we can look at our analytics and see how people are listening and possibly even what time of day they're streaming but we have no clue what our demographics are so i don't know <laughs> yeah tell us do you know what the price is right is and do you know that there's been more than one host <laughs> do you know you should get your cat and dogs neutered <laughs> that's right if you don't know what that what that joke is about uh you should go watch bob barker on youtube <laughs> that's right the price is wrong bob <laughs> Oh, that's a great ep- or great movie. <laughs> well, why don't you take us away, Tyler? Well, we begin in the hallways. We uh, meet a girl, a nice one-off girl, uh, who we've never met before and never see again. And honestly, Brett, do you even need to say who she is because she's in and out super quick? Well, you know what? It's it's part of my shtick, so I will. This is Jill. All right, Hall- do your shtick. <laughs> This is Jill Hollinger, played by Rebecca Herbst. As Tyler said, first and only time we'll see her on Boy Meets World. 19 acting credits to her name. L.A. Law, Beverly Hills 90210. This is why I do this. Step by step. Step by step. (laughs) Day by day. Sister, sister. Perhaps best known for her role on General Hospital, which she has been on since 1997, still on the show. That is 2,191 episodes and counting. Nice. So, anywho, yeah, uh, he's talking to a girl, and apparently he asked her out, and she's saying yes. And she's dressed all fancy-like because this is a classy gal. Yeah, she's very, very, you know, upper crust type of girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She has parents. She does. That's not the type of girl that Sean normally gets to ask out. <laughs> I like well, that I mean, delineation uh, there for that that line for the that not the type of girl, you know, she has parents. <laughs> well, I will say, like, you know, I know from my school, like, people who have money in our town compared to people that don't have money in our town, it's not that uncommon for those type of different people to potentially be interested in each other and potentially date like Mm -hmm. you know like there are people that have money and there are people that do not have money at all and it's okay but Mm -hmm. also a lot of those people don't end up interacting with each other so yeah mostly because the more wealthier people are kind of (laughs) snobbyish yeah but anywho uh yeah Corey's impressed because there's a whole new type excuse me that Dr. Pepper's hit me. Um, <laughs> a whole new type of elegant uh, women that he's going after and uh, quite surprised. And uh, we stumble onto 
Uh, Eric is watching the boys. He and Jason both. And this is the first time we get a kind of antagonisticness from Jason to the boys. Yeah. Honestly, I, I like it. I did. I liked it so much, I clipped it. What? Look, baby geeks discovering the female of the species. <laughs> I say we tag them and return next spring. <laughs> Why don't you return never? They attempt to protect themselves by puffing up. <laughs> I don't see you guys with any girls. Oh, please. We only hunt when we need to hunt. Ah, uh, wabbit season. I do so wish we had more of Jason. It's just, uh, I know we get, I know he's in, he's out. We get great stuff when he's there and there's a potential for too much of a good thing, but I really wish we got more. But this is the version of Jason that we need. Like, mm-hmm. he's there to pump up Eric. He's there to support him. He's also there to steal the girl. He is such and, a knob at But also, end. he's antagonizing uh, Corey and Sean. And honestly, let's just... I'm throwing this out there super quick, Brett. And you can cut this out of the episode. Normally, I say <laughs> that you don't end up cutting out. But still, you can cut this out. But what if the show actually had Jason as the primary antagonist mm-hmm. and Eric being okay with it, but being in that like, well, he's my friend. He's never going to do anything. And the reason the two of them stop being friends is because he crosses a line with them. Wouldn't that have been interesting? That would have been a fantastic story point. Great character growth for Eric. Yeah. Too bad. We don't have time for that. Cause we got to get in our jokes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> And you got to stay away from that Harley and that Harley. Yes. <laughs> They've been holding on to that for way too long, uh, I guarantee it. There's yeah. no way that wasn't put, put on their board saying at some point Turner's going to say that Harley and that Harley. Oh, that, that one is one that Michael Jacobs walked in the writer's room day one of season two and said, hey. We've got a new teacher who rides a Harley. We've got a school bully whose name is Harley. I want you to make this joke at some point this year. And they probably held it off as long as they could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. But, uh, yeah, so it's wabbit season. So uh, Eric tries to take his shot. And uh, Valerie Stevens is her name. She knows him and yes. actually has a crush on him, apparently. Yeah. I know. It, I'm assuming a- you have this clip. Uh, I, I didn't clip this one. I, I okay. clipped uh, I, I clipped his responses to her when she, she knows him. He's surprised. That, Great guess. And that, you know. Two in a row. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I was actually more impressed with, I, 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 I it took me, a, I had to do a double take, but Valerie is played by Christy Clark. This is actually her second time appearing. I had forgotten. This is Nebula. Oh. Yes. <laughs> this is Topanga's older sister from season one. <laughs> uh, she has 16 total acting credits to her name. She's not really still in front of the cameras. Uh, Saved by the Bell, Roseanne, step by step. Step by step, day by day. Uh, hang time, day by day. Seventh Heaven, and a few others. But yeah, Nebula in some form is back. <laughs> but yeah, she knows Eric, recognizes him. Apparently, he's somewhat of a name, at least around the school. So, yeah. I mean, it's. 
it's always that annoyance I have in the show of like, hey, you don't know me. I know you. You don't know me. I know you. You know me. I know you. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's always these back-to-back things. And, like, I get that every now and then, like, you'll meet someone that you haven't, like, met met before. But, like, mm-hmm. you're already aware of who they are. So, it makes sense that they've both known each other from a distance but not actually talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hoping it's just that. I'm I'm hoping so, and it's possible that they've maybe shared a class together. And now, granted, the Eric we've known through season two is so obsessed with pretty girls that it's kind of surprising he hasn't noticed her yet. But perhaps they've shared a class together, and he's been up front and shared a presentation. But we haven't really seen this Eric do anything big in the school yet. Yeah, but I mean, I will also say like. Maybe they knew each other in grade school once upon a time, and they haven't actually talked to each other in years, and he assumes that she hasn't remembered him, potentially. Very possible. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe she wasn't pretty last year, too, because that's a big trope in high school. Thing, yeah, so. maybe. Maybe she wore glasses last year. Maybe. <gasps> she had a ponytail and everything. <laughs> she wore overalls. Yes. But anywho, uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Valerie. Valerie is her name. I'm sorry. Uh, She's a skater, and all of her time is put into skating. Yes. Um, And Jason, being a good wingman, says, oh, well, so does Eric. I can't believe you guys have never seen each other. He's always there when they're rolling out the ice. (laughs) I did love that. I'm always there when they're rolling out the ice. And I love her response. Like, that's funny, because, like, she would know that you don't roll out the ice. And she's like, oh, he's just being, you know, charming, not knowing that he just doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. She's just impressed, you know, a guy that she likes skates. So they're gonna they're gonna go skating together. Yeah, I kind of wish we would have actually had a scene of them skating together, but you know, yeah, it would have been great. It really would have. Episode has to episode, Brett. Episodes only got so much time for this B plot. Exactly. Well, I mean, I'm amazed that we even had a real Eric led episode last time. So this I episode, know. he's got five minutes. Yes, but they do still have time to get in a dig at Canadians. Canadian skate? How hard could it be? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Then we go to English class, because what other class are we going to go to, Brett? We've only got and two a- teachers, so... <laughs> yeah. Well, we're doing an assignment, apparently, where they're supposed to do a... Uh, they're writing bi- a biography. Oh, <laughs> yes, I don't know why. I'm looking at the word, I'm like, my dyslexia is not letting me say yet. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, so the, they're doing a biography of someone, anyone, anyone in the world they can do a biography about. Topanga wants to do Katie Couric. Ah, uh, she's boring. I'm so perky and smile. She's not real. <laughs> she's not Couric wants to do someone who's real. Captain James Tiberius Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> I, I, I laugh so hard when Corey is not listening to Turner tell him about Kirk not being real. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, the reaction is hilarious, but does Corey actually believe that Star Trek is real? As a seventh grader, I hope not. Right. As a seventh grader, I'm really hoping not, but. Maybe <laughs> there's a part of me that kind of thinks he might. I mean, this is a boy who at one point thought he was legitimately turning into a werewolf 
because he was going through puberty. <laughs> Holy crap, that was the season. So it's possible. <laughs> yeah. And his, I, re- his response to avoid hearing this is to put his fingers in his ears and go, <laughs> So, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. Okay. I don't know why. I, I know we're going through this, you know, episode by episode, but it feels like that was forever ago. It does. <laughs> it was weeks ago. So, yeah. I mean, this was like 13 episodes ago. So. <laughs> It's like a whole season. I mean, real world time. Real world time. This was what three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, anywho, so Turner makes it clear it can be about anyone as long as they're real, and so Corey decides to pick anyone in the world. <laughs> now, I feel like they should have also had the stipulation, like in the syllabus, of like it needs to be an actual person. They need to be an adult. They need to accomplish something. It cannot be a friend. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in elementary, early middle school in 19, uh, in the mid 90s, we did not have a class syllabus that students had access to. Even in the high schools in my area, students did not have a class syllabus that they had access to. That was not something that I encountered until I hit college. Now, I don't know what your experience was like i mostly just meant like for the assignment oh yeah because we'd always get like a paper like this is what you're (laughs) supposed to do this is what you need to have this is what we're Mm -hmm. grading on these are the rules yeah which completely fair but turner says out loud anyone in the whole world it doesn't have to be somebody famous just somebody real anybody you like Anybody? Anybody. Absolutely anybody? Absolutely anybody. I pick Sean. I pick Cor. <laughs> you know, you walked right into that. I did, didn't I? <laughs> Not the first time Mr. Turner's freedom with words has gotten him in trouble. <laughs> um, this may be a weird time to bring this up, but I like the dynamic between Turner and Topanga. I do, too. She she kind of connects with him on a, a more adult level. Mm-hmm. Well, more like an intellectual. Like, yes. not that they're equals, but she's more up to his level than down at Corey and Sean's level. Oh, yes. Totally. <laughs> so, like, I, I almost wonder if, like, as he messes up, like, she's the one he looks at and she goes, yeah, you kind of let yourself open to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I say my wife... Uh, I remember had that kind of relationship with uh, a, a boss. We both had a, a, our summer camp and I've watched the two of them have basic conversations like without anyone else knowing they're having conversations. So, <laughs> so yep. yes, they're going to they're both going to uh, uh, do bibliographies on each other. And uh, they're now at the lunchroom, Brett, and uh Sean sees Jill. Uh, Wants yes. to go figure get their uh, date plans uh, figured out. But uh, she's got some bad news for him. Yes, the date is not going to happen. Not that night. Not any night. Not not ever. It's just that's the way it's going to be. No no answer given to Sean. She's just she's done. Period. Yep. Not even Period. letting him down easy. Yep. Just shutting that door. Yep. Just the the precursor to being ghosted. 
Almost no, I mean, worse. On, on one hand, sh- this was actually really good of her to do it like this. It just, no, straight up, we're not going on a date. I mean, clearly they didn't have much of a relationship beforehand to oh, talk yeah. more about this. But Sean's clearly hurt, and she has no emotional impact, like, to actually talk it out with him more. But mm-hmm. So on one hand, it is good for him so he can move on quicker. Yes, and at least he knows not to expect a date. But right. on the other hand, you're only giving half the information. So, like, can you at least give the reason why there's no date? Right. I mean, she could have said, I told my parents I wanted to go on a date with you. And they said no. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Is, I'm sure in all the time Sean has been dating throughout his entire seventh grade career. Because we're we're nearly to you know, yeah because you know we've we've talked this this season is very likely mixture of seventh and eighth grade. I'm sure by this point in this season he's probably had more than one. I mean, uh, the uninvited. He was uninvited to that party because of who he is. This is right. not the first time he would have encountered parents who said no, you can't correct be with Sean Hunter. So. It's not like it would have been the first time he'd heard it. Right. Well, it feels like it's it's saying that, like, Jill realized she didn't want to not... People put pressure on her, and she caved. Mm-hmm. That's two very different things. I mean, I've seen people who have done that for way less reasons. <laughs> uh, but anywho... Uh, Corey tries to talk to, I was going to say Linda. I know that's not for sure. No, it's Mindy. Mindy. Who is played by Shay Astar in her second of two appearances. Uh, we saw her a few weeks back in I Am Not a Crook, who, where she was Paula Kelly, who was Sean's uh, skeleton in his closet when girls, all girls are icky. So if you want her... Uh, her uh, Hollywood story, you can go listen to that one. I already said, I already <laughs> shared it. Well, and I gotta say, in this episode, she reminded me a lot of Carol from Friends. I can see it. I don't know why she looked so much like her. I can see it. I, I honestly, I think it was the dress. It just, it really was. I think that was it. Yeah, probably. Um, but anywho, she <laughs> kind of gives us nasty response to Sh- to Corey about who Sean is, what his parents do, and ah, uh, she just couldn't. Ew. I, I have my notes. Mindy is one stuck-up snob because, you know, Jill, Jill is just very curt, very cold, but Mindy is just, Mindy is vicious. <laughs> uh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> because we know, we know Sean's dad is does either sells or reps tires we know his mom likes to watch american gladiators and needs her back cracked beforehand mm-hmm. and we know sean lives in a trailer park so you know we know his I mean, parents are at least colorful eventually we will find out that her, his mom works at the movie theater so mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if someone who is like a grown-up working at a movie theater would be seen as ew oh yeah Especially by someone who can run around school dressed up, dressed like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we start our first real, uh, what I'm going to refer to as Sean questions his identity episodes. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, Sean starts to go, 
well, who am I? Mm-hmm. And is this how people see me, actually see me? And it's, it, he said he goes down a spiraling path, uh, which I think is quite interesting. I actually rewatched it again today, and I'm really impressed by Ryder Strong's acting in this episode, and also mm-hmm. Ben Savage as well. And and within this dynamic that they have every now and then of Sean questioning who he is, mm-hmm. and Corey trying to remind him who he is. Yeah, they. I I was impressed as well. They did a fantastic job with this. Yeah, I honestly I feel like any time that those two guys are given the reins to go a little more serious, they hold up really well. Mm-hmm. And including uh, uh, Will Friedle as well as uh, Eric too. So yep, I'm on board all the time when they do that. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he says, "You have a pool when it rains." <laughs> I like I, I I do like though because Sean is Sean is. Um, you know, Sean's kind of down on his his living situation. It's, it's really the first time we've we've heard Sean really rag on living in the trailer park, and you know we've heard Corey at least once before talk up the trailer park when he talks about you know playing football in the yard. But you know, Corey is really trying to head things off at the pass here. He sees his friends start to feel bad about where he lives and. You know, we've we've seen this dynamic before where Corey knows he comes from a, a more well-off family. Sean does not. And we've seen the disparity between the two played up before through the first two seasons here. And so this is not a first-time revelation for either one of them. And so Corey is, is well-versed by this point. He knows that these are some some sore spots for Sean. And so he, he wants to remind him and to look for the good things in where he lives Uh i don't think he realizes just where this is going to go for him at this point yet yep uh well i like how we get to our plot b (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, eric they're about to walk into the matthews house eric goes hey you said i could skate you got to get me out of this jason goes don't i always no well well, then i'm due due. (laughs) (laughs) i'm not wearing spandex spandex. no way (laughs) <laughs> and as long as Eric's saying no way, I guess we're all right. <laughs> I do love there's not a whole lot of parenting this episode. Not a but lot. I do, no. I do love that moment of, well, he said no to something. Let's just assume he's handling this. Yes. I, they, they, they know Jason and Eric well enough that if Eric is audibly saying no way in front of them, they know they're not. They don't need to worry yet. And I like right. with even as minimal parenting as is going on that we see anyway, that uh, even what we'll get to in a moment here with Corey and Sean, if you watch in the background, Alan and Amy are still framed in the shot and you can see everything Amy is watching and you can see her kind of mulling it over in her face. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is part of that thing with Alan and Amy of knowing how important the relationship, the friendship is between Corey and Sean of how do they support Corey as he tries to support Sean in these type of emotional moments. But also when will Sean be ready to talk to them? Mm-hmm. Because we, we've seen so far that he's not close enough to them yet where he can feel like he can just flat out talk to them. Um, but the fact that they're there, he's talking about it openly in front of them, is a good sign. 
Yeah, very much so. And uh, I, I clipped the conversation that Corey and Sean here have about uh, about the whole the whole of what's going on. You always had a house, didn't you? Yeah, but it was tiny, and hey, I spent most of my time playing in the sandbox. Yeah, I spent most of my time playing in the burnout old Chevy out back by the septic tanks. Cool. You staying for dinner, Sean? No, not tonight. Gore, why don't you come over to my place? My dad's broiling fish. On the engine of his pickup? I thought you liked it last time. Well, I, I did. It was just a little oily and antifreezy. Fun. Okay, I understand. Stay in your nice kitchen, eat your fancy oven-cooked food. Sean, we haven't even worked on your biography. Hey, I lived, I died, no big deal. It definitely feels like Corey's not realizing he's only adding to the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, he's trying to help him, trying to support him, but no matter what he's saying, it's not working. And at, at the end of the day, that, that happens in friendships. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot emotionally support, like, you cannot emotionally hold up your friends. It's not possible. They have to be willing to process through things and deal with things on their own. Yep. You can be there, but you can't always do it for them. And Corey is almost like he's trying to throw a band-aid on the situation. Yeah. That's and also Corey has it. some unintentional biases as well. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mean to, but it, it happens. It comes mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Anywho, we get to uh, the next day at school. <laughs> Sean's been <And> busy. <laughs> yes, Sean's been very busy. And uh, I, I will take this moment to say, Brett, I noticed that in each of the scenes so far, uh, Corey and Sean have very similar outfits. Mm-hmm. Like the way they're dressing is very similar. They're both wearing jeans the whole time. And then in this moment, he has uh, like um, he still has kind of a polo like he has been having on. So he still looks similar how they normally dress together. But he also has camo pants on and the shirt and, and the camo pants don't they they really clash. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel as that clashing of Sean of who is he? And I really feel like this is a moment where the the style team actually like made it a point of Sean is in such a confused state. He literally probably just grabbed clothes and just went to school as quickly as possible. Hmm. Not concerned about how they look together, which he normally would. Yeah. But yes, so apparently uh, you need a canoe in order to get to the library. <laughs> We're sinking. <laughs> And then, of course, as Mr. Feeney walks away, I love this cl- this quip. Janitor Blood, get your big mop. <laughs> yes, apparently Sean has decided to flood part of the school, which, you know, could potentially land him into some real big trouble. Yes, he's flooded the lower hallway. He freed all of the biology lab rats and set all the clocks ahead 12 hours. Yes. <laughs> hey, for some people, that is the worst thing he could have possibly have done. Now, I, I, I am curious, though, because I'm, I'm figuring this is, I don't know, first bell, first class that they'll be getting to. And this is just a nitpick just because I'm, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. If he sets all the clocks ahead 12 hours, what bell is ringing at roughly eight o'clock at night? The bell, just in case uh, someone decides to mess with the clocks. <laughs> Can 
we need to get into something, Brett, and it's something mm-hmm. we just have to address up front and agree that we're going to ignore it and then agree we're going to not Pretend hold it this never against the again? episode. <laughs> um, we run into Harley. Ah, yes. Now, we're not running into the Harley we've known, uh, played by Danny. I can't remember his last name. McNulty. But Danny. What? McNulty. Yes, Danny McNulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, by far one of the best characters in the whole show. Yes. Harley by Dan McNulty. Instead, we have uh, an actor who is trying to do the same things that the old Harley would do, and it doesn't work. It does not. And I mean, I give uh, Harley for this one episode, and I I don't know if you'll go into this in your deep dives or not, Um, but uh, Danny McNulty was not available for this episode. Um, he had some mental health issues uh, prior to filming this episode, and they had to they had to pull in another actor on the fly. It was, it was that week they had no they had to mm-hmm. find someone, and the, everything was already going. So, yeah. um, so this actor Kenny Johnson was able to step in, and all credit to him, he did the best he could with the amount of time he had to work with. Uh, only time we'll see him on Boy Meets World. Ever. 60 acting credits to his name. Law and Order, The Commission, News Radio, Modern Family. The biggest thing I have ever seen him in beyond this. No step by step? No, no. Step by step is not. No. (laughs) He played The Flash in a failed Justice League pilot for, I believe, is CBS or uh, ABC in 1997. Interesting. Yeah. You can find that if you really search for it. Uh, but yeah, it's out there somewhere. But yeah, uh, we'll, I mean, all credit to Kenny. I don't, in my final grade, I don't hold Kenny's performance or Harley overall, the performance of Harley against it in my final grade for the episode. But yes, it does, it does stand out from what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, it's the same lot lines that the other one mm-hmm. would have given that Danny would have done. It's the same, you know, ev- ev- almost everything is exactly the same. I think what it is partially is that the camera angle is just really off this episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's just a different director coming through just for whatever reason, just everything felt different in the way it was shot for those three together. And, and who knows why they chose to do what they did. I get it. But it just felt so clunky and awkward. And I think the act, the, the actors who played Frankie and Joey also felt awkward trying to do those yeah. scenes with him. Um, and, you know, again, it's nothing to do with against the actor. I think he tried to do the best he possibly could. I just feel like... They almost should have just said that Harley had another brother or a cousin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And even if he said that he's also Harley, you know, yep. like it's just, it just was disappointing. I, it's, it's disappointing to see the last time there's quote unquote Harley on screen until season three, um, because it's just vastly, I don't want to say this. It just didn't feel right. 
Mm-hmm. It, it undercuts it a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, and the whole Corey sticking up against Harley to Sean or to Harley, just that all feels clunky too. It doesn't have the gravitas that it would be with Danny right there. Right. Exactly. And, you know, maybe part of all this was, you know, he felt pressure to make this the the episode, the defining Corey really stands up to Harley episode and just didn't, you know, who knows. Mm-hmm. But honestly, uh, Danny McNulty, fantastic job, is amazing. I don't hold anything against Kenny. I think at this point we can move forward, mm-hmm. even with the clunkiness, even with the awkwardness, even with the really weird walk that he has. <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also, like, he, he feels like Harley is a greaser. Mm-hmm. This Harley feels like a Italian gangster almost. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, I don't know. No poetry this time around. That's my real complaint. I think I might have missed that the most. There's this this Harley does not have the poet's soul that I'm used to. <laughs> yes. So anywho, Sean basically tries to say to I was gonna say Bobo Harley. <laughs> uh you know, have you have you heard? Have you noticed what I've been doing? Like, oh, you've been drawing outside the lines? <laughs> That's my first day. I'll, I'll do bigger things. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently Harley has, Bobo Harley has an apprenticeship, internship. That's how I started. And that's how, now how I'm a Frankie thug. got started. <laughs> now I'm a full-fledged thug. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's also, okay, part of the clunkiness, too, I think, is in the writing of all this stuff together because mm-hmm. it's like trying to make it seem like Harley's has a true business and entrepreneurship. And mm-hmm. at one point he says, go get the bagels. <laughs> now, I, I feel like they could have said, go get the bagels for like the teacher's lounge, which would make sense. Like mm-hmm. every day, at least four or three bagels go missing from the teacher's lounge. What, you know, whatever. But yeah. It's clunky, and I don't get the clunkiness. Yeah, could have used a little more polishing there. Yeah. Yeah. So, anywho, uh, Harley invites him to go hang out with them in the parking lot. To go sit with him in the parking lot. What are we going to do? Sit. And I just tell you? (laughs) Yeah. uh, You got yourself a sitter. (laughs) Yeah. But again, though. Bobo Harley is basically inviting him, come hang out with us. And Mm -hmm. would real Harley do that? I don't know. That's my whole problem with this thing. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Now I am a thug. (laughs) Class starting, door shutting. Yeah, I do like that transition. But also, Turner's watching everything go down. Mm -hmm. He's giving... Corey, Sean, room to figure it out. He's trying to stay true to, you know, focusing on actual class stuff, but yeah. he can't help but notice him potentially and, get more involved. You know, we're, we're seeing, you know, we've seen him take an interest in Sean a little bit this season, but we really start to see him zone in on Sean here. And that'll play out more into next season. Yep. And then we transition into a lovely. Hey there, Mr. Feeny scene. <laughs> yeah. 
over the fence, and uh, he wants to ask Mr. Feeney some questions about the biography assignment. And now, is this a standard like every seventh or eighth grader has to do a biography like about somebody? And you know, uh, having two teenagers who've gone through middle school. I seem to remember both of them in middle school at some point having to write a biography of some sort. So I think it would probably be expected at some to have to write a biography of some kind in middle school. Let's see. A lot of people believe I was born in Boston. But (laughs) point of fact, (laughs) he doesn't even get to finish. Oh, but I, I love and I, I clipped I clipped uh, this interaction too. But I love that uh, Corey's like, no, 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 no. It's not. It's I, I'm not writing about you. It's it's about Sean. Of the truly great lives lived, I suppose Sean Hunter would be the obvious choice, falling somewhere between Gandhi and Soupy Sales. Yeah, I, I was just wondering, do people turn out a certain way because of where they come from? You know, where they live, who their parents are? Ah, the old nature versus nurture conundrum. Yeah, to use a lot of words I don't understand. (laughs) Personally, I believe that a man, no matter where he comes from, chooses his own path. So really, no matter who you are, you can make up your own mind about what you want to do. Absolutely. Corey, dinner. I'll come in when I choose to. Get your butt in here now. Uh, Mr. Feeney? My theory bites. I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that nature versus nurture conundrum that Mr. Feeney brings up because it's it's so, honestly, it's so prevalent all over the place. No matter where you look, everyone wants to debate it. Everyone wants to argue it. And it's it's on display right here. Sean, just by being the scholar of the family... And being the one that everyone in his family points to as having the most potential to rise up out of their so-called squalor has already proven nurture over nature, at least Mm -hmm. to anyone looking from the outside in. But here we have him falling back into that argument of nature will, will win out. And so it's an interesting. I I I love stories of nature versus nurture. I mean, I uh-huh. I just love it whether it's in real life discussing them or just watching them play out on a TV screen. Yeah, I uh, I do love this parenting by Amy. By the way, of saying uh, <laughs> get your butt in here now. Yes, I, I just had to do that the other day with my with with my middle child with Toby. <laughs> I hollered upstairs. And it was it was nothing pressing. I just I had something for him. We picked up at the store. I said, uh, "Hey, Toby, come here." In a minute, I'm I'm playing Fortnite. It's like okay. So I sat down there, waited. He finishes round. He came down. I was like, "Okay, first of all, when we call you downstairs, when your mom or I calls you downstairs, your answer is, may I finish?" the game I'm playing (laughs) because there are times where it will be important for you to come right away. Mm -hmm. If you can finish, we will let you finish. (laughs) And I kind of feel like that's what kind of Amy was going for there. (laughs) I mean, she's just being direct. 
Yes. <laughs> and especially with a teenage boy, you just you have to be direct. There's no way around it. And Mr. Feeney knows his theory bites. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even with my five-year-old, I'll... I have to say that all the time of get over here now. Do this. My theory bites. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there are times where I do have to lay it out where get over here. Uh, no, not then. Now. Yeah. You know, with the amount of complaining you do about your uh, your middle child, we're going to have him on eventually. I know. Yeah. We're going to have to bring him on. He's still it's almost like he needs to pick an episode. <laughs> I've been waiting for him to pick an episode for almost two seasons now. <laughs> I've reminded him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we go uh, back to high school and apparently Jason has the solution for Eric's problem. It's a subliminal sleep tape where Eric will learn while he sleeps to skate. <laughs> now, now we don't have a deep dive about tapes and, and these type of sleep tapes and all that jazz. But for the younger viewers at home, all you really need to know is that once upon a time, the height of, of uh, audio technology was these little tapes that you'd have to put into a device and uh, called a tape player. And you'd listen to whatever it, it had on there. And every now and then you would get to the end and it'd go, please turn the tape over. Yes. There's only so much information that each of the tapes could hold. Yes. Two sides to it, kind of like a record. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, uh, in there it, at night, the the idea was, and there there's some there there's some credit to this or some credence to the theory that you could play uh, these tapes, whether you know whether it was uh, foreign language, whether it was a diet tape, which is what Jason used as his basis here, that you could play it while you sleep and you would pick up the information through osmosis. And uh, I play it while I sleep. And you know Eric's really resistant at first, but the mo that what turns him around is this one piece of dialogue i don't know what it is but the skating skirts keep getting shorter and shorter pretty soon i'm not gonna be wearing anything yeah unfortunately eric only has a few things that really drives him yeah he has just one big walking hormone and he was going to confess to her that he was he does not escape until he heard her say that (laughs) yeah i mean I know he's not the one that chose to do the lie, but he went along with the lie. He did, yeah. So, anywho, uh, yeah, Eric's going to give it a shot, and uh, we run into Cor- or, uh, Sean trying to get uh, pointers by Joey and uh, Frankie about how to act mm-hmm. as a uh, thug. He's trying and, too hard. Uh, yeah, he's trying too hard. <laughs> Well, then Corey and Sean have a conversation. Oh, before before we move on, I love the fact that Joey's first day he wore a suit. <laughs> Such a preacher's kid. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, but Sean wants to, to call it quits with Corey. Yes, this is the first time he tries to break up with Corey. Mm-hmm. Never goes well for them. But uh, yeah. Basically, it says, look where you live, look where I live. Look at your parents, look at mine. I know where I'm going. Uh, I'm going to end up. Just let me get there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Corey slamming the lockers on his uh, when he walks away just adds that extra 
point of emphasis for that that exclamation mm-hmm. point. Well, I mean, Corey and Sean get to these points where mm-hmm. them communicating is not going to work. Um, doesn't happen often, but it does mm-hmm. happen, and it happens with friendship sometimes. Of one person thinks this way, the other person thinks another way, and you either have to agree to disagree or agree to mm-hmm. go separate ways. Yep. So, or just one of those people have to suck or accept the fact that they're they suck and they have to apologize. Yeah, and it's you know, I, yeah, like you said, every relationship gets to this point where you know there's it's. It doesn't have to be a separation point. It's what do you need to do to push through it? it obviously, talking here is not. There's going to be this. This turns into a crisis point. And you know, is it worth it to Corey and Sean to push through it? Sean feels like he needs to walk away. Corey doesn't. And so we'll yeah. we'll work through that. We'll get to the to those next steps. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, Jedi Master. <laughs> ah, young Padawan. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then Turner and Kiner, Bobo Kiner, I mean, yeah, have an yeah. interesting uh, conversation. Uh, yeah. Harley tries to make jokes, Bobo Harley. And basically, uh, Turner tells him, I've been seeing you around Sean a lot. Mm-hmm. Basically, I better not see him going down a bad path or I'm going to be talking to you. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Harley forgot that Turner on day one reminded him, let him know that he could not take Turner in a fight. Yeah. Well, again, when you completely change your face, it's hard to remember things. <laughs> like, well, it has been almost an entire school year, so Harley has, has had an entire school year. It could year be to... two years after that initial conversation, <laughs> oh, which is why Harley's could. feeling pretty good about himself. Oh yeah, Harley's been in the school system another couple of years. But yeah. And this, you know, Harley's got the perfect initiation plan for Sean, and it's not going to involve beating up Turner. No. But I I will say that Turner in this moment doesn't sound like a teacher. He sounds like a concerned uh, big brother, uncle type figure. Yeah, that's right. He he does that. That relationship is not just teacher to student there. I mean, he says he needs that Sean needs to be in his class, but that is not a teacher speaking. All right. How much of the uh, Eric uh, tape situation do you have actually? Uh, uh, I clip the intros before we get into the actual scene because that's just yes, all visual. Yes, play it. <laughs> You can ice skate. That's right. You can absolutely, positively ice skate. Food has no power over you. Sure, you've tried other diets, but now you'll finally skate real good. Now picture a beautiful, thin ice skater reaching out to you, encouraging you, showing you how to ice skate. Yeah, so Eric has a dream where he runs into his... uh, Figure skating uh, spirit. Inner skater. <laughs> yes. And that inner skater is Nancy Kerrigan. Yes. Good looking people. Unless you were really alive through the 90s and early aughts, you may have never seen Nancy. Um, she's really most famous for being an Olympic skater. Yep. Uh, she did. I will say there is a 30 for 30 documentary about her mm-hmm. and also a movie called I, Tanya, where her. She has a character 
version of herself. Yes. So. Uh, she does have nine acting credits to her name, um, some voiceovers, some others. You may have seen her on Fresh Off the Boat. You may also have seen her in Blades of Glory, which also has William Daniels as a member of the IOC. Yes. He's yes. the commissioner, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes. So, yes, Nancy Kerrigan, but mostly most famous for being an Olympic skater and Eric's inner skater in his dreams. <laughs> yes. No, she was huge at this time. So this is I fully understand the reason they would have her in oh, this, this episode. A huge get I still for don't them. get Robin, Robin Leach. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> this was a huge get for Boy Meets World to have Nancy show up. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like as the show progresses, they get better guest stars that like are more like have legendary careers, you know, that progress onward and everything. But some of the guest stars they've had this season have been ridiculous. <laughs> Although in two episodes, we'll have a fantastic cameo for those that haven't actually watched the whole show. Uh, so we get done with the uh, dream. Uh, now that Eric knows how to skate, apparently. Yes. One session with the tape, Eric has learned how to skate, and he wakes up and says... I can skate. <laughs> I can skate now. And food is no power over me. That is not going to go over well, good-looking people. No. <laughs> but I got to say, this is before The Matrix, so I feel like if The Matrix had come out and then this episode had come out, I feel like Eric would have said something like, I know how to skate. And then someone else would have said, show me. <laughs> I think the Wachowskis were watching Boy Meets World when they came up with The Matrix. How else could you explain? They <laughs> <laughs> just had a bigger budget. <laughs> yeah. Definitely no religious tones. All about that boy meets world. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. But then we get to, for lack of better wording, the main event of our episode. Yes. We have uh, Sean and Bobo Harley. Joey and Frankie in front of uh, Mr. Turner's bike, and Sean is given the task of destroying it. I, I like, you know, Joey and and, uh, and Frankie are giving some advice, you know, or is that Harley that uh, I think it's Harley that says don't don't swing for the fences first time, just make contact. I think uh, Frankie and and uh, Joey come up after that first swing. But either way, Sean doesn't make contact the first time. Oh, oh no! What I was thinking of is <laughs> swings uh, and misses. <laughs> no, what I was thinking of is uh, when they're admiring the bike. Uh, Frankie has some words. You could eat it. You mean eat off it? I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> oh, Frankie. <laughs> Oh yeah. There's just there's times that they give him lines and he just nails it. It's quite amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Uh anywho, so Sean takes an actual swing, but it's nowhere mm. near the bike. No, it's and it's then, high. <laughs> and then Corey walks in. And Corey yeah. wants to take a swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if Sean's gonna do it, Corey wants to be there. Yeah. And you know, they, they wrestle over the bat for a bit, and, uh, you know, Harley does not want Corey there, but... Uh, no, he doesn't want Baboon there. That's right, Baboon. 
but and this this would and like we mentioned this would have been so much different with uh with danny there but Corey stands up to Harley, and I did clip it. Listen, Kyler, this is between me and Sean, so take your greasy head and your rat-faced thug and get away from my friend. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my, my, my. All right, Harley, you got one punch, but you better make it good, because chances are it's going to kill me. Okay, again, it's in this little acting moment that I'm like... The, the 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 actor doing it is actually doing a good job. Just don't call him Harley. I can't call argue him with you. Chevy for all I care. <laughs> but just don't call him Harley. You know, like Toyota. <laughs> it's just it's, it's not bad. It's not bad, mm-hmm. Brett. I just wish they would have just nixed the Harley thing. Bobo Harley. <laughs> call him Bobo. <laughs> I don't know what to call him because he's not Harley. He's not the real Harley. He's Harvey. <laughs> well, the real <laughs> Harley, please stand up. Oh, uh, yeah. But Turner, Turner comes in and saves Corey's life. And, uh, you know, Harley, uh, Bobo Harley, uh, kind of, oh, good thing we were here to to run those guys off who were going to destroy your bike. And they take off and... Uh, Joey was kind of hurt by by Corey's comment. Hey, when he said rat face, was that like pejorative? <laughs> oh. Too good. Turner really wants the truth out of Sean because, yeah, you know, Sean's just being really evasive. You know, everything's fine. No, we're good. Mm-hmm. Sean is, is trying to treat Turner like every other adult in his life mm-hmm. and Turner's not doing that. Yeah. And I love, I love how on task Turner stays. And I, I clipped, I clipped a lot of it, but I, I clipped a smaller portion cause I don't want YouTube to, to hit us with a copyright strike again. So I'm going to play the shorter version. Oh, you think that was an accident? Huh? That you have a friend who thinks so much of you that he's willing to put his own neck on the line? No, I don't think lowlifes have friends like that, do you? I don't know. They don't. I don't know anything. I don't even know who I am. Well, Sean, I know who you are. You're Sean Hunter. You were raised by wolves. You're my friend. It says so in your biography. I mean, what else do you need to know? I need to know what's going to happen to me, and you can't tell me that. Hey, Hunter. All Matthews can do is be your friend. And so far, he's been doing a real good job. All I can do is teach you whatever I can and hope that you leave my class a little better than when you came in. You mean drag the trailer park trash up the decent society? Hey, if you don't know that deep down inside, you're all right. And I haven't taught you anything at all. You think I'm all right? I think you need to think you're all right. You know, you and I work with teenagers for, mm-hmm. for years now. And so often what I'm, especially in this past year, what I've realized is you can say in your face and in, in your face until your face is blue that you are, you are amazing. You're incredible. You're, you're made for something special. But if those people don't believe it, then they're just not listening. And, and they have to believe that they are valuable enough and that they are worthy enough for that. Um, 
you know, it, it breaks my heart when the amount of teenagers I've, I've, I've worked with and come across who just have so much self doubt and so much a lack of self worth. And, you know, at the end of the day, as much as you can love them and, and be there for them and support them, you have to have faith that eventually they're going to find that mm-hmm. because you, you can't do it for them. Right. And good looking people listening. I worked directly with teenagers on a one-to-one on a one-to-twenty on a one-to-hundred basis for 15 years straight. I have been a parent for 16 years and for the last six years have had at least one teenager in my house. I have heard this exact conversation. I have heard variations, multiple variations of this conversation. I've had this conversation exactly to the word variations of it so many times over the years that I have stopped keeping track of who I've had it with, how many times I've had it with. Everyone has these same thoughts and these same feelings. I have been the one saying Sean's words, not knowing who I am or what's going to happen. We all have these same thoughts and these same feelings and these same, these same worries and concerns. And, and like Tyler said, it comes down to belief. We need to understand and believe that being told we're nothing, we're less than nothing, we're trash. Those are all lies. When Sean is told that he's not good enough to uh, to date Jill at the beginning of the episode and starts to believe he's just trailer trash, he's just the, the, the he's just the worst of what he has to offer, the least of what he can give, that that's the best of what he is, he believes the lie. And that's what so many people in the world fall into. Yeah, I've been there myself. Tyler's been there himself. Everyone that has graced the face of this earth has believed that at some point. And we all need a friend like Corey to bring us out of it, to help bring us out of it. You know, Tyler made the point earlier in this episode. Sometimes we're only offering a Band-Aid. We can't pull someone out of it. We can be there with them. We can be the voice that walks through it with them. But it's up to you to believe and accept what that person is offering you. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's my soapbox number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I I just have to say, uh, before we move on at all, if you're someone out there right now who's listening to us, first of all, thank you. We appreciate it. But more importantly, we want you to know that regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of your situation, you yourself for who you are is valuable and people love you and people care about you. And there are people out there that want to help you and be there for you. And, you know, we can't be dads to everybody out there, but 
you know, maybe you need to hear from someone who is a dad of that you are valuable. And and trust me when I say I, I've seen it before when I've said that to a teenager who's never had an adult hear the like say those words to them, and, and it means something. Um, so whether you're a young teenager, whether you're a five year old who's listened way past longer than he normally does, or you're a, a, a you're an adult, you're an adult who is out there struggling and hurting and wondering what's next for them, you know. Regardless what's next, you are valuable because you're you. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't want you any other way. Yeah. In this moment, in Wrong Side of the Track, Sean really needed someone to believe in him. And we yep. know that out there, this might be you too. Yeah. And if you're that person who's listening, you know, I'm just going to say it. Reach out if you need to. If not to us, someone else. I know there's someone out there who's probably willing to listen to you and talk to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm mostly just good with teenagers and all honesty. I'm not good with adults. <laughs> we're, um, not, we're not licensed counselors, but we're both dads and we both got two ears to listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, how many times have you and I just sat on a conversation and just been like, we just need to talk about what's happening right now and mm-hmm. just be honest about how we're feeling and, and dive into it a little bit and just talk a little real yep um some of, some of my favorite conversations have come with you brett because i've always felt safe and, and able to share what, what i need to share and know that i can also listen now a little bit more as well so <laughs> well you've always been willing to talk to me more directly so but anywho fine i'll say it brett i love you big guy <laughs> and i appreciate you right back at you i love you too tyler <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I it, it's it's the, this moment that I wish we would have had earlier this year, but mm-hmm. of Sean, of Mister Mister, oh, wow, of Turner really stepping into that. I am more than just a teacher. I'm mm-hmm. an adult that cares about you, and if you can't see that, then I've taught you nothing. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does feel like it comes a little late in the year, but. It is it is powerful when it does come finally. Yeah. So Brett, should we get to uh back to the ice skating rink? We should, because as it turns out, Jason's tape did work. Eric did manage to pull off skating. Uh, with his date and so he and Valerie had a good session Valerie wants to know if he wants to go out and get some food you want to go to Chubby's and grab a bite (laughs) a little food has no power over me like I said, good looking people. It's not going to go over I mean, well. This, this is the Eric joke for the episode. <laughs> it's hilarious. I find it funny. It's just mostly annoying of like, can we just get a little bit deeper into this? Like, how well was he actually skating? I would he could love have been to have seen it. skating so well that she was impressed. Like... I, I don't there's, understand. There's... Now, real world, no. You could not possibly have picked up figure skating from a tape. There is muscle memory that is needed to be able to even skate around a ring. I I have been roller skating. Unless he has done (laughs) rollerblading and he was able to lean more into that. That is possible. That is possible. 1995. 
rollerblades were catching on. Roller skating rinks were still in. But it's possible he had some crossover, so he could have at least had some basics down. But there's no way he was performing trip tricks and leaps and spins and whatnot just from a tape. <laughs> right. No, there's no way that he wasn't just barely making it around the ring. <laughs> and there's also no way that she wouldn't have known that he was completely full of BS anyway. And just she likes him in general. So she was just willing to give him time and day. I think it's probably it. more of that. Yeah. <laughs> Dessert and, is the enemy of my hips. <laughs> but honestly, like, and we've talked about this before, but people, when they're trying to impress someone else, will lie and inflate egos. And mm-hmm. this is probably one of those situations. Yes. <sighs> but what again, Ben, and she's she, even through these first couple of off the cuff things where food is getting in the way she's still giving him another chance let's go to chubby's and get some food <laughs> some fat buddy you look great out there <laughs> want a hot dog <laughs> and jason yeah. comes in and is a total knob <laughs> yeah, visually I mean, this is absolutely hilarious it is. I feel like Jason set him up. Oh, I totally think Jason set him up. Because <laughs> there's there's ways he could edit around the food, so he wanted that stuff to be in oh, there. Yeah. He totally left the food, some of the food stuff in there. And this on tape purpose. worked way too well. Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. Now, and I gotta say, I feel like again, if he would have just said, "Hey." Would you like to go to Chubby's with me? Blah, blah, blah. Well, no, I skate. Well, well, can I come out and watch you? Mm-hmm. Or can you show me some things? Like, can you teach me how to skate? Yeah. Those are the type of things that could have got him brownie points and built towards a relationship. Mm-hmm. I know Eric's not allowed to have a relationship. Eric's not allowed to be happy <laughs> and have a real girlfriend. <laughs> come on, Linda. <laughs> I like her. <laughs> You know, I'd like to see more of her and less of him. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. But since we don't get Linda, I guess we'll get the new girl of the week. Yeah. And that's been an episode, Brad. Janitor Bud, get your big mop! <laughs> So, Tyler, let's hear some deep dives. People, 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 people. Am I the only one who read the summer reading list? All right, so let's start with Katie Kirk. Katie Kirk is an American journalist and presenter. She founded the Katie Kirk Media, a multi-media uh, news production company. She's also published a daily newsletter, Wake Up Call, uh, from 2013, 2017. She's worked for Yahoo, CNN, NBC News, CBS News, ABC News, and apparently she's even co-hosted a Jeopardy. I'm not going to say her age because I feel like that's mean, but you should know that she is actually born on January 7th. From Virginia. Basically, 
to put it simply, she is a big, big time anchor slash news person and quite famous and popular at this time. And I mean, still today, like she's still putting out stuff randomly, like a lot of documentary stuff I know she's been doing and traveling. So lots and lots of good stuff from her. Nancy Kerrigan is an American former figure skater. She won the bronze medal in the 1991 World Championships and uh, 1992 Winter Olympics, silver medal at the 1992 World Champions and 1994 Winter Olympics as well. 1993 U.S. National Figure Skating Champion. Apparently, she was introduced into the Skating Hall of Fame in 2004. Yeah, so she's won Olympics, uh, two medals, silver and bronze, world championships, silver and bronze, and winter university. I have no idea what that is. Oh, probably collegiate level bronze. So quite a good skater. Really, really good. Now, big thing about Nancy Kerrigan, and one of the reasons that she is a household name is because in January 7th, 1994, uh, Nancy Kerrigan was attacked coming out of training in Detroit. She apparently was attacked by just a random guy. However, uh, it was later discovered that the person that attacked her was connected to the husband of Tanya Harding, who is a her biggest competition at the time. Those two were like always at each other's throats, essentially. They knew each other for years, uh, from what we've learned. Just bonkersness is the best way to put it. Nancy Kerrigan actually, after being injured, people thought she was not going to be able to compete, and she actually did. She got silver that year. Honestly, she probably should have been given gold. Now, I'll tell you, I did look it up. The 1998 Winter Olympics was held in Japan. Nagonia, Japan, that is. And at first, I thought he said Uganda, but as you're looking at the actual title, it did say Niago. So, every now and then, they get it right. So, good on Boy Meets World for getting an actual <laughs> fact correct. Good job, Boy yes, Meets World. good job. Harley Davidson's. Mr. Turner had mentioned that his bike is a Harley, and so uh, just give you a little bit of information about them. It's founded in 1903. His headquarters is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is a public traded company. Harley-Davidson is known as a style of c- customization that gives rise to the chopper motorcycle style. Uh, the company traditionally marked heavyweight air-cooled cruiser motorcycles with engine display placement greater than 700 cc's none of that stuff means anything to me essentially harley davidson is a well-known brand it's one of the few brands that even if you've never been on a micro motorcycle you've never seen one before chances are you've heard of a harley davidson in general so i wanted to look up is turner actually driving a harley and nothing specific would come up about that and i didn't get the chance to actually ask anybody but They show his bike, and whether it is a Harley or not, it felt like they just really wanted to say that joke and say it's a Harley, and it it doesn't move at all, so it could be a Harley-Davidson. Who knows? But at the end of the day, the thing you need to know is that most likely at that time, Turner would probably be driving a Harley. Is that a Harley? I don't know. If you know more about motorcycles and know if that's a Harley or not, please let us know. I'd love to learn. Let's get to... Well, actually, real quick, Brett. For those that don't know, could you please tell us who Captain James T. Kirk is? 
Uh, Captain James T. Kirk is the captain of the USS Enterprise in the show Star Trek, which premiered in 1966, played by William Shatner, who I recently discovered likes to thinks people refer to him as the Shat Daddy. Very famous uh, icon in science fiction. Been in tons of stuff since then. Uh, very much a cultural icon. Has alienated pretty much everyone he has worked with on that show and many others because of the size of his ego. And yes, wears a hairpiece, which is why Turner says he wears a triple on his head. Also, he makes a pretty good cameo in a classic movie, Halloween. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Michael Myers mask is a Captain Kirk mask. <laughs> uh, so Nature versus Nurture refers to a theory of what actually helps us to make decisions, what goes into it that that moves us along and actually uh, makes it how we who we are. So is it uh, nature referring to our genetics, which includes the genes we are born with and born with and other hereditary factors that can impact how our personality is formed, influence the way that we uh, develop from childhood through adulthood. Now, a lot of times people will say that you are born with predisposition to things like alcohol and drugs and those type of things. So, you know, some people are naturally driven to those things. I am not one of those people, so I wouldn't know. But, you know, we all have our addictions somehow, shape, or form. So was it? I do know that my mom drank a lot of pop when I was younger. So I don't know if it's because I saw it happen or just I'm predisposition to uh, caffeine. <laughs> who knows? Nature encompasses the environment factors that uh, impact who we are. This includes our early childhood experience, the way that we were raised, our social relationships, and surrounding cultures. Now, a lot of this comes into play of the difference between people who are wealthy compared to those who have no money. This is the reason that people that are rich stay rich because they just have money so they don't have to worry about it. think about it? Is it because they are prone genetically to think in a certain way and do certain things to continue to make money? Or are they just trained to and know how to do stuff because someone taught them and, and, and forced it upon them? And likewise for someone, say, who grew up in a trailer park. Are they you know, genetically prone to stay in said trailer park because of things in their genetics that that stop them from moving past those type of conditions or is it just beaten into them that this is who you are this is how you're going to stay all those things so really this comes down to for nature versus nurture of which one is the more dominant thing now Brett and I had this conversation many a times over the years <laughs> and really what it comes down to is it's a mixture of both and yes you you do have to deal with genetics because there are certain things you can't get away from you can't get away from how tall you are as much as I want to believe that I could be closer to six feet tall it's never going to happen on the same token you know there are certain things that I was taught as I was raised of, of what to do and how to handle things and so I know for me I'm going to handle things differently than say Brett is going to handle them for the sole reason of how we were raised and the differences in how we were parented and also the people around us as we were learning and growing. I also agree with Feeney in that we all have to make choices and we all have to deal with those choices and any man or woman can choose to, to go in the direction that they want to go if it's possible. Is there more you would like to add to that? I know it's one of your favorite subjects. No, I, I think if I got uh, if I got rolling, we'd 
have to cut a lot out for time's sake. I think that was that was pretty succinct. Yeah. But I mean, nature versus nurture is a very good debate. The problem is, is that it's a flawed debate. It is. At the end of the day, the people that are around us and the people that created us impact us. It's just a matter of how much we're going to give them credit for it. And I believe that's all your de- our deep dives for today. Alrighty then. Well, in that case. You know anything about the Odyssey? Huh? Did I say you could talk? I didn't teach you that. My friend Mr. Matthews will lead the discussion. Do I have to draw you a picture? What did we learn this week? Tyler, what did you learn? So, here's what I'll say about the things that I learned. And, and what think what it comes down to is... You know... As far as the whole parenting thing is concerned, Alan and Amy kind of allow for Corey to to do what he needs to do. And I think it's what's reinforcing to me is understanding in the future of what my role and relationship will be for the friends of, of my son, my children. Um, you know, will I have a, a relationship enough that I could speak up and, and say something to uh said child or, or teenager or or do I not and, and I think the way that the show presents it so far is that that Eric or uh, Sean and and the Matthews are not that close yet and eventually they'll get to the point where they can speak up immediately and say we know who you are we love you um, but they're not there yet and I mean if Amy said it I believe that she meant it but I think she knew that Sean wasn't ready yet to hear it from her. Um, I think in this next year, they're going to grow a lot closer. So it's going Mm -hmm. to help. But at the end of the day, you, you can only help and support the, the children that are connected to your children based on the relationship you have with them. And if you don't have much of a relationship, you can't force them to listen to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, my learning is actually soapbox number two, because it's not a lesson for me. It's a lesson I'm going to share. It's this. Don't search for who you are in people and places just because they align with the most base parts of your existence or your personality. Your feelings are often going to betray you, just like Sean was betrayed by his feelings about who and what he is. I know of many pastors who love to close their messages with God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. And many others who will add God loves you and I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. I personally believe this statement to my core. You, no matter who you are that's listening, good looking people, have value and worth in you no matter what or how you feel about yourself. And you have been imbued with the divine spark of God, no matter what you believe. You may be fallen. You may have done bad things. You may have made dumb choices, but you are loved. Do not believe the lie that you are the sum total of the least positive parts of you or the worst choices that you have made. And that is my soapbox. And that is my lesson that I want to share. (laughs) <laughs> thank you brett and i do appreciate that and i agree with you so i'm right no you're exactly right 
So am I done with my education? Can I go? How would you grade wrong side of the tracks? Well, I've been given some really mean grades to this uh, <laughs> this yes, show so have. far this uh, past couple weeks. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with a B minus. Mm, B minus. I'm going to give the uh, first one I've handed out in a while. I'm giving it an A plus. Nice. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I prefaced earlier on. I mean, I, I know about all about the casting uh, kerfluffle that was bringing Kenny Johnston in. And yeah, the whole issue with Eric's uh, comedic B plot, they needed some comedy to balance in this one. And like I said, I don't hold Kenny's subbing in against it. I mean, I could be mean. I could tear it apart based on him coming in to to pinch hit. But I choose not to. And, you know, as a whole, this episode hits it out of the park for me. I, you know, these these nature versus nurture, like I said, I'm I'm there for it. Sean questioning who he is and his place in the world. I'm there for it. Corey standing, willing to stand up to a beating for the sake of his friendship and for Sean, I'm there for it. So a plus for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't flaunt that at all. Um, <laughs> honestly, I would say that if Danny McNulty was in this episode, I would easily be an a plus for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't hold it against the actor, but I do hold it against the show and the episode that it just, it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, it's nothing against this episode. It's just one I avoid, but I, I knew I wanted to give it a positive grade because it was a good episode with good life lessons. And I love what Turner said and did at just there's parts of it that was just missing. Mm-hmm. And not just Danny, but just there's parts that just felt clunky, um, you know. But, hey, I don't disagree with it. There you go. Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> so I want my dad joke. <laughs> well, here it is. In uh, what kind of weather, Brett, is a vet the busiest? Well, it could be the easy raining cats and dogs. <laughs> it is when it's raining cats and dogs. <laughs> All right. And with that good looking people, oh, Tyler's holding up his own cat there. We thank you, good looking people, for joining us for another week. Oh, we do. We got some purr in. Can you hear him? I can. Oh. Hi. Yeah, he's just happy with me, just snuggling. Oh, Abby's going to love this outro. <laughs> She's going to start screaming kitty, 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 even though it's just a picture. <laughs> well, good looking people. Thanks again for stopping by and for listening. We hope that this was a good one for you. And you can reach out to us at uh, on all our social media channels at Dad's Meat World, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can leave us a comment on any of those. You can leave a comment on any of these episodes on YouTube. 
We're recording this episode 19. We just uh, we just had one come in on me and Mr. Jode uh, two days ago. So yeah. these are up all the time. You can weigh in all the time. Yeah. Hey, tell us what you think about uh, the whole Harley situation and how you think it would have affected the episode, because I'm really curious. Yeah. Let us know what you think of, uh, as Tyler calls him, Bobo Harley. Yeah. And, hey, uh, the actor still email. did his best. That's all yes. I'm going to say. The actor yes, did his did. best. Still Bobo uh, Harley. Tell us it was a positive, a negative, or uh, a net zero for you. And you can <laughs> send us uh, your thoughts in email form at dazmeatworld at gmail.com. And yeah. you can... Give us some reviews. We want yeah. to read them. Reviews, five-star ratings, so people can find us. And uh, I was going to say something else, but yeah, stop by our shop at uh, dazmeatworld.threadless.com. Stickers, shirts, all kinds of fun, good stuff. The cat is about to knock Tyler's <laughs> mic over. Yeah, the cat's ready for me to be done. Yes, he well, is. Brett, it's been a wonderful time with you, sir. It has been with you. So until next time, good looking. I'll see ya. Bye, good looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios. Tell your story. Well, if it pull up, yeah. Just impressed with, um, oh, dang it. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Sean Hunter is played by Ryder Strong. Yes. I'm really impressed. So, uh, <clears throat> anywho, uh, we move forward. Sorry, I'm actually using a new, uh, thing, so it's a little more jumbled together and the coloring messes up my vision so uh. but it's it's interesting i like it <laughs> different um it's it's about sean you always had a house didn't oh, you that's the wrong one. yeah but here we go sorry uh i was typing in a thing for dad jokes <laughs>